Hi, I'm Sue. And I'm Rach. And this is the Georgette Hare podcast. And in this episode, we're talking about The Spanish Bride. So hey Sue, how have you been? Oh, very well, thank you. I um, This weekend, I made apple crumble from apples from my own apple tree, which feels like the most twee thing I've ever done. Really? Well, that's yeah. very impressive. Was it nice? Was it? Isn't it, they're, they're nice apples, are they? Not too sharp. They're quite sharp, but they're for you know baking, so that's all right, isn't it? Yeah, I think that is all right. I mean, it got eaten. It got eaten. Uh, and the other nice thing that Excellent. happened is that I was walking down the high street and I bumped into my English literature lecturer from college. So I haven't seen her for about twenty years, and uh, we stopped and we got to have a little conversation about books and stuff, and it was really nice. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah, she's read a few Georgette Hare, so we had a, you know, had a bit of a chat. Or she asked me if I'd read any any um serious books recently. And you know when someone puts you on the spot and you immediately forget the name of every book you've ever read? Yeah. I did that. Yes. Not that we're suggesting that Dodger Hair books aren't serious. I mean, we take them seriously. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, well, that's... Um, that's fine. So you couldn't think of anything that you've read. But you, you're, you're a very well-read person, aren't you, Sue? So you, you should have been able to think of something. So, don't make me feel bad about it. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's okay. Um, what about you? What have you been up to? Um, I have last week, um, I had a nice weekend, oh, I'm sorry, nice week in the Isle of Wight um, in Yarmouth, oh. um, which was very nice. Um, yeah, so, you know, Pebble Beach, um, mm-hmm. Skimming Stones, it was quite it was nice weather, nice mm-hmm. walks, very nice, yeah. Um, skimming Stones, what's your, what's your record? Um, this three has been, this holiday was three. Okay. All right, gives yeah. me something to aim for. That's respectable, isn't it? Or not? It, it's Just. much more difficult on uh, on a on a beach with a tide, you know, because it it's moving water <laughs> rather than a lake. <laughs> I'm just hearing excuses here. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right, let's move on. Um, let's start with our traditional beginning and go for the summary. After the battle at Barrios, young Brigade Major Harry Smith and his fellow soldier Johnny Kincaid are approached by a high-born Spanish lady seeking protection for her young sister, Juana. Harry immediately falls for Juana, marries her in a drumhead wedding, and they trek hundreds of miles in very challenging conditions, facing danger and hardship, interspersed with passionate arguments and reconciliations. Now, I I think, Rachel, there are two things to note at the top. Firstly, that Harry and Juana are real people. So there's a note yep. at the beginning, isn't there, where Haya talks about her sources and one of them is Harry Smith's autobiography. Um, I can't imagine him sitting still long enough to write an autobiography, but never mind. Maybe he mellowed a bit in later life. Yeah, yeah, that's possible. Um, the second thing is that Juana is 14 when she mm. marries Harry. And I think that before we go any further, we're going to need to talk that one out a little bit. It It makes it quite difficult i think mm. to warm to harry in particular um mm. and and actually a lot of the characters i, I think it it's a, i mean i struggled with the book a, a bit anyway but just because it was it's just one of those it was a long very very detailed passages about military action which i'm not particularly interested yep. in um although mm. i did find some of it interesting but it was it was a bit of a slog anyway and then that coupled with the um, not be 
it being difficult to warm to Harry because of Juana's age, um, I, I think that it just made me struggle a little bit throughout the whole book. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's have a look at that first meeting. Yeah. So it's just after the big battle. These two women walk up to them. Well, a woman and a girl. Um, what is your name? Harry said. Kincaid did not know that voice. It did not sound like Harry's. Juana. The girl answered like a sigh. Juana. Harry repeated it, lingering a little over its gentle syllables. How old are you? He asked, softly, as though by the lowering of his voice he sought to exclude her sister and Kincaid. I am now more than fourteen, senor, she said. Fourteen? Kincaid reflected that southern girls ripened quickly. He had supposed Juana to be seventeen. She had the figure of a girl verging on womanhood. He wished that it was on him that her gaze rested so steadfastly, but he saw that Harry filled her vision. His inches and his charm had never stood him in less stead. She was not aware of him. I mean, the bit... The bit where she says she's 14, and then Kincaid swiftly making that worse by talking about southern girls ripening quickly. Yeah. And I think because you know that this is a true story and it it was so... You know because it was Teo, it was meticulously... um, researched and you do wonder Mm. about how much is coming from the diaries of Kincaid and Harry and Mm. so actually I wonder whether you know part of me wonder oh I I wonder if that was actually a reflection that Kincaid had in one of his um in his diaries and I think I think he just makes it harder to read because you know it's might have been true (laughs) yeah Mm. and I would question Haya's choices in including that I suppose I I would much rather she had borrowed some of Harry's exploits and created a whole new couple where Maybe. they are both of age. Yeah. I don't think I've done it. And part of me feels like bits like that are almost trying to justify it. Yeah, there's, there's kind of like this weird othering, isn't there? This Because this, I don't think she'd yeah. talk about that, about a blonde-haired, blue-eyed little English girl who's 14. There's no. this, I think there's a prejudice in there that Spanish girls develop sexually earlier, which is just obviously nonsense and sickening. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. not a good. I, I, I that, think, that is definitely implied. Yeah. 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 And I think what's, what I find so strange about this is that I think different readers of Haya feel differently about the lack of sex in her books. Like some of them very much appreciate the kind of clean nature of the books. Others, you know, miss that and, and, you know, write their own fan fiction with the sex scenes. Um, but that this is the book where there is a 14-year-old girl in it that is the one that Haya actually makes a bit more yeah, physically active. Because there, there, there's passages in there that, that where the sex is very clearly indicated. Yeah. There's like a, a passage in there where I th- think the line is used, uh, she never denied the comfort of her body to Harry. Mm. And uh, it's... I don't understand why this is the book that has to have that. That you no, know, I, I yeah. would rather it didn't. Um, and and just going on to Juana's uh, a bit a bit about her character. So I mm. think as well that um, she's an interesting mix of a very young. Uh, sorry, so so a little bit innocent, a little bit. Um, um, childish in the, she has a few tantrums and she's quite um mm. she, she can act very young but also she has got a um she's a bit of a um an 
old head on young shoulders is that the word is that the, the expression mm-hmm. but, but basically mm-hmm. she, she's an interesting mix isn't she of being incredibly tough in in some of the things she has to go through incredibly tough and incredibly mm. um stoical um but also having she she's quite childish sometimes um and i think that makes it difficult then you suddenly realize when she's being childish and when she's being a bit jealous and when she's being when she wants to save the dog <laughs> um further on in mm. the book um you sort of realize you know well yes because she's six you know at that point she's 15 16 um mm. and it's so it's quite um you suddenly get reminded of her age whereas i think throughout you're sort of allowed to forget it and then you suddenly get reminded of it well yeah I think there are lots of occasions where Harry's friends refer to her as his child bride or yeah yeah, there are lots of references to to her age Mm. I don't think yeah hey it really tries to make anyone forget that yeah um I, I don't know how much it matters probably not not at all but because they're real people we do know that they traveled the world together and they both died in their 70s yeah and presumably we're reasonably happy together yeah so together all that time I, I might not have had many other options but um but yeah it feels like they certainly would have had options to live more apart if they'd wanted to and they chose not to i think they were very much in love yeah sickening sometimes isn't it mm. the bit where they said um she never denied the comfort of her body to harry Th- the passage is explaining how when he comes in and she's happily asleep she's oh i'll read it they're talking about her amazing qualities of sort of being one of the people, not one to turn her nose up. None of your fine ladies, Juana, reclining against the scobs of a travelling carriage, fan in one hand, hearts on in the other. Just as she never pressed a scented handkerchief to her nose to shut out the reek of dirty humanity, so she never denied the comfort of her body to Harry, though he came to her grimed with dust and rank, he said, as any private. Her slight breasts were the pillow for his head after long marches. Are you tired? he would whisper rousing her from the sleep of exhaustion. No, not tired, Mariko, she would reply, all her body responsive to the touch of his thin, nervous hands. So again, you get that very sexual element. But also, if I was woken up from the sleep of exhaustion with the question, are you tired? I'd probably deny the comfort of my body. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Don't know about you. It's rank. Um, Are you tired? No, I was asleep. (laughs) Yes. Also... The reaction of his, I, I mean, I guess this, this is inevitable, but the, the reaction of his friends, um, so mm. a lot of them were uh, worried or slightly disapproving or worried that he had made, yep. that Harry had made a mistake. They weren't mm. necessarily concerned about her and her age and her innocence, though. They were, mm. uh, it was much Maybe more. Maybe Johnny Kincaid was. Uh, I think he Okay, I'm not sure how much it her, he worried about her very, very young age and it being wrong because of that. It seemed to be... So he, I'm not oh, saying... Yeah. So Kincaid was definitely concerned about her and cared for her and he loved her, didn't he, to, yeah. to begin yeah. with. But um, I don't mm. think... It wasn't really acknowledged by anyone that um, this was a terrible thing. But I, maybe it was at the times, isn't it? But it wasn't, it wasn't even normal then to marry a 14-year-old. No. Um, and they were, but they were concerned about him and him making a mistake. But yeah, yeah, it was quite the about turn for him, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but one of the other things that makes this book a difficult read, I think, um, is that Haya doesn't shy away from talking about the horrors of war, yeah, and the atrocities committed in the aftermath of um, 
Barrios at the beginning yeah. and then, then other battles later on. Um, and I, I think we know as, as Brits that our behaviour historically has been usually pretty appalling. Um, and this really does hammer it home. It's a difficult read as well because um, mm. definitely the implication is that... so. Uh, Wellington didn't approve of any of the behaviour and the implication and, and there's a suggestion mm. that none of the officers approved of the, the behaviour of the um, of the soldiers in Badajoz particularly yeah. which seems to be particularly horrific um, mm. but um, it was definitely a little bit of well um, almost like get it let them get it out of their system or it was a bit uh, he could have went there's an implication that Wellington could have stopped it at any point and he mm. when he did want to stop it he did and uh, that felt uncomfortable as well I think I, I've got a passage here I'm going to skip through a few bits because I don't want to don't want to read it all because frankly it's just depressing but um so after the battle when the terrors of the night were done and the French garrison made prisoners and the order to fall out was given men who had fought through the dark hours like demigods rushed into the town like hyenas by noon, all semblance of order had disappeared. Barrios was a hell of misrule in which the horrors of the breaches were being fast surpassed. Those who had censured the excesses committed by the troops after the fall of Ciudad Rodrigo were smitten to silence by the atrocities seen on all sides in Barrios. Murder, rapine and rape were the orders of the day, and no efforts of the officers could quell the unleashed brutality of men who had shot their way into the wine shops and tapped the barrels in the streets. And then... Harry saw a nun being dragged, almost senseless, down the street by a couple of redcoats and tore himself out of Beckwith's hole to go to the rescue. The demented woman, still clinging to his knees, detained him for long enough to allow the nun's captors to drag her around the corner and out of sight, and in doing so probably saved Harry's life, since the two soldiers were mad drunk and already quarrelling with one another over the prize. And then... Then they move on to a little bit about the camp followers. The camp followers... Women of almost every nationality, who had been amongst the first to enter the town at daybreak, were like a swarm of vultures. Indifferent to everything but plunder, they stripped the dead on the ramparts, rifled the pockets of men too badly wounded to do more than moan their ceaseless appeals for water, and even trod over the mounds of slain and wounded in their haste to get into the town. Once in, they drank as freely as their protectors, and showed an even more horrible rapacity. About two hundred of them took part in the sack. They were to be seen in all the streets, questing harpies who did not scruple to drag girls out of hiding places for the soldiers to make merry with, while they, business-like even in drink, possessed themselves of the trinkets and even the torn dresses of their victims. Here and there, in the midst of this scene of unbridled licence, an officer's cocked hat was occasionally to be seen, its owner trying to escort parties of terrified women to safety. Sometimes he would succeed, quite a number of the men still retaining a hazy respect for their superiors and responding to the voice of authority but there was very little the officers could do when their men faced them with a red, brutish glow in their eyes and swore they would shoot any man down who stood in their way. Oh, yeah. That is quite the hellish scenario, isn't it? Yeah. But it's interesting that I think Haya presents them as like the rank and file being very animalistic, but the officers trying to trying to put some kind of order in there and you know continue to be heroic and i just don't know how much i believe that no i yeah i i think that's um yeah i think that's probably fair it's um yeah i mean who, who knows really because the accounts would have been written by officers so it, even if it was incredibly well yeah. researched it would still be a biased view wouldn't it um 
but yeah it's it's pretty happy. But, but I guess that at, at least it wasn't shied away completely you know yeah, yeah which is yeah, yeah I, I think I think it could have been couldn't it and and there's definitely um other implications of the book that um the uh, French were particularly uh, uh sorry the the Spanish were Spanish were particularly um brutal against the French um for, you know for, for obvious reasons yeah. I'm glad it wasn't it's not completely um exonerating the British yeah yeah I think um there's a line in it where uh, Harry Smith is talking about um that kind of behavior and he says it plays Dickens with the brigade mm. and I find myself wondering how much is it yeah is it how much of his disapproval is about the fact that it, it takes days and days to kind of get those soldiers back into a state where they're commandable um yeah and how much of it is generally the morality of it like I, th- I think the fact that Harry Smith tried to go and save that nun you know he he, he does have the moral instincts to do the right thing but um yeah. there's also a hefty dose of sort of practical oh god when they're this drunk they're just a nightmare yeah um but on the other side there's a bit where they talk about um going to madrid and being so shocked by the poverty that um the third division started soup kitchens yeah and you're thinking, oh, okay, how do you make that decision? Yeah. Well, I, I think there's lots of those little contrasts throughout. I think mm. it, it's what, um, so you have that and then you have um, the bits about um, the soldiers on different, the, the French soldiers and the British soldiers. Um, I, I think it was mm. sharing drink or, or, or something. And, you know, they, they, when they weren't fighting, they were oh, civil yeah. towards each other. Yeah. And I think that did, that does happen, doesn't it? That happened in the, you know, I think it's something the first world war, is it? Where they had a, um, a football game oh, on Christmas. Match, Christmas, Christmas Day. Day. But, but yeah, that that yeah. does happen. I think that's just, it's quite interesting, um, this book particularly. Mm. So it, it has those little contrasts of the awful horrors and the brutality. And then these little bits of, yeah. Uh, I don't know k- kindness or um, some sort of solidarity and human human connection. You're absolutely right. Um, an example of very much a lack of human connection. Do you remember that scene where um, Harry's got a guide, um, Gonzalez, and he, this guy Gonzalez really wants to show Harry something, so he takes him into his cellar, and it turns out he poisoned. Yeah. And then while they're unconscious, stabbed four French soldiers yeah. to death. And, 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 and Harry, Harry's there. Like, oh my oh. God, I'm here with... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that, was, that was a very mad passage. But um, I guess the... Very um, interesting. Yeah. I, they were incredibly... You know, they'd gone... So I'm not making excuses for any, anything, but I, I guess mm. that... Um, the, the Spanish had gone through a lot at the hands of the French and they were um, very, very mm. bitter and angry about it, as you, you might be. Yes. Um, also, I suppose, in this sort of general area, I won't read it out, but there, there was a really interesting passage in, in here about the life of camp followers So, and how there's sort of no provision made for how a woman would get back home if yeah. her soldier husband died. So they're kind of saying, like, you know, for every woman who's left spare, I suppose, or widowed, I think widow's the right term, um, there would be, you know, six men vying for her hand because she was seen as such a, yeah. a valuable resource yeah. while out there. Yeah. And it, I thought that was fascinating. Like, you know, they, she would be getting marriage proposals while, while the dirt was hitting the grave kind of thing. 
Well, yeah, because what else could they do? I mean, this this was this was amongst mm. the soldiers. Well, this was amongst the rank and file, rather yeah. than. I mean, they probably have the yeah. officers as well, but that's what that was talking about in that passage. And um, you know, the, mm. these women didn't have any money; they were completely reliant on their husbands. And then, why wouldn't you? Then you'd have to go and find a yeah another husband. Um, can we move on? Oh, I'm not sure I've got anything happier to move on to, but maybe less traumatic. So, shall we just talk about Harry? Yeah. Okay. So interesting with Harry, he is the son of a country surgeon. So it's one of those books where we actually get to find out about the lives of people who are less exalted than some of the other books we read. So that was great. And he had clearly, you know, he was doing well, progressing the ranks, wasn't he? Um, Just on on merit. Yeah, it's quite a good, um, it's quite a nice description of him. Um, Oh, yeah. This is how, this is through Juana's eyes, which I think is quite interesting. So, um. Though he had not been able to see her face through the mesh of her mantilla, she had seen his deep tanned with a close grip mouth, a masterful aquiline nose, a bright almond-shaped eyes, tremendously alive under the rather heavy lids. He was fine down to bone and muscle. The line of his jaw stood out sharply. There were clefts running from his nose to the up-tilting corners of his mouth. His hand seemed all sinewy. His slight frame was small, tough thing, compact of energy. Not a handsome man, Harry Smith. He would improve with age, like his commander-in-chief. Not a big man, nor one to use many graces in his dealings with his fellow men. But a vivid, vital creature, instinct with a force, far removed from mere charm, which was a strong magnet, which had a strong magnetism. The quality which made him, in spite of his impetuosity, his quick temper and his flaming impatience, a born leader of men. There was something fierce about Harry, the look of a, ha- the look of a hawk in his eyes, a similar spirit in Tuana, the daughter of a long line of Hidegloos, responded to it. So I think that's quite a nice description of Harry. It's this little, he's quite a small man and compact with energy and um, sinewy and... Um, impetuous and um sort of ready for action at any point yeah it doesn't mention his boils though well that comes that comes a bit later doesn't it yeah he's plagued by boils and i don't know how i feel about a hero that has boils i just i can't see it well you can't have everything if he's he's a hero he has boils (laughs) but yeah I like the fact that he's well connected. Like he can always get hold of food and booze and guides. Yeah, because there's that's quite there's cool bits time. where they just don't have any money and then something happens and their luck turns. So they're sort of mm. living on the edge mm-hmm. quite a lot, aren't they? Yeah. It's such a mad life, isn't it? Because I think you read it one you know, he hasn't been home for years and years and years. He you know, he joined as a boy basically. And that's yeah. his whole adult life, living like this. Yeah. Um what I do give credit for is that he really knows how to handle Juana like I don't know whether by luck by judgment but the fact that he doesn't coddle her at all yes like King Cade would he just kind of chivies her along treats her like one of his soldiers I suppose when she's struggling and and that's absolutely the right way to approach her and even King Cade you you can that Kincaid reflects on that, doesn't he? That that he would have, mm-hmm. yeah, he would have protected her. He would have coddled her. But what she needed was someone to push her. There's a bit where um, 
she she has to go through um a, a river i think and and oh, yeah. harry just makes her go through it rather than putting her up on his horse she makes mm. she and she and she responds to that and says right no next time i'm not going to be led i'm going to um go through that river by yeah. myself um so she sort of responds to being treated like that even and, and i think other um other characters other other men other officers um look at them and uh, sort of surprised at how he treats her in that mm. way but it's what she mm. responds to and, and she learns yes. to deal with him as well there's a bit where his father yes. um sorry his mother dies um later on in yes, the book I was thinking yeah that. and mm. at first she's I mean he and he takes it really badly um and mm. he goes into himself he's um and he's he becomes very morose and quiet and and she mm. at first you know tiptoes around him a bit and then I think she sort of mm. lets I lets him see her vulnerability and she cries and then he responds to that by stepping up a little bit and saying okay no I need to protect Juana but also I I also I think she she gets quite naughty yes she does she can kind of provoke a rage in him that gets him out of that grief as well yeah so so but it's also it he needs to take care of her he needs to I mean Mm. her being naughty he needs to deal with that doesn't he so he it, it sort of um, diff- yeah, yeah. Um, deflects a little bit. Anyway, and so I think throughout, she, I mean, it's absolutely love at first sight, isn't it? Um, they, they're just absolutely drawn to each other mm. at, at first sight. But then throughout, um, they uh, they get to um, know how to deal with each other, and it becomes a deeper sort of love. And I guess that's why it lasted so long. Mm. Um, shall we move on to Wana? I I struggled a little bit with her character in the, the, the times where I just didn't really feel that she was believable, despite the fact she's a real person. Um, but there's things like she was really unaffected by the loss of her family. Yeah. She, you know, just they all disappeared and she didn't seem to mind at all. Yeah. Um, and that, that kind of, I don't know, the, the, the fact that she's a, She's described as a born campaigner, spirited and loved by all. Mm. And that just seems a bit, a bit unlikely to me. I'm sure there are lots of people who just thought, oh, God, here's this kid again, just trying to get everyone's mm. attention. <laughs> Can she just go to the back it, of the line? It's, it is a bit odd. It's a very, very instant. Uh, uh, so, so as soon as, ha- it's almost like as soon as Harry comes along, um, her whole dependence, her whole life is about him and and it happens it mm. almost happens overnight and it was almost well as long as I've got I mean the thought of losing Harry would be horrific to her but um mm. she almost like everything is on on him that he's our whole life as soon as he she leaves her family's mm. side but that that can't have been how it was can it like it can't have been that she overnight she was completely infatuated and then didn't look back at all. I think that is a bit hard to believe, but I but I wonder yeah. if it's it's because of whose eyes we're seeing it through. We, we you know we know we're seeing yes. it through Harry's memoirs, through mm. Kay's memoirs. It, it's not through hers, is it? So I, I, yeah, I, I wonder whether it's because of the 
you know, who, whose eyes we're seeing it through. Yes, and perhaps at 14 you are more um, ridiculously romantic and, I don't know, maybe partings with family don't feel like such a long-term thing. I don't I don't know. But also just the, the aspect that she was raised in a convent, but she seemed surprisingly practical yeah. and, and good at, you know, meeting people of all kinds. To be fair, I don't know a lot about what it's like to live in a convent. Maybe it is very practical and maybe you do deal with a lot of people. You probably do, actually, don't you? Because I imagine you're out tending the sick and... Yeah doing stuff like that um, but I think one one point where um I, I did actually feel something for her is when they're on this incredibly hard mm. march and she's just desperately trying to not fall yeah. out um and she's worried that if she does that the vultures will eat her and uh and yeah that's that's just really moving that she's going through this as as you know basically a child yeah. and there are all these seasoned campaigners and they're struggling but she's she's going through well, it there's too. also a bit where she really hurts her leg it really has her ankle or or a leg and then she just yeah because harry's because she has to she's like no i'm gonna get back on i need to get back on the horse i'm gonna go Mm. um she's i mean Mm. incredibly stoical um so she's quite impressive in that way she's incredibly impressive in that way and then she has these um jealous passions as well doesn't she like it's it's quite a a a rocky relationship isn't it it's quite fiery well, yeah, although I say Harry Harry adds, you know, he contributes to that, doesn't he? Like, I think she shows up at one point at a ball and he's got this other pretty girl sitting on his knee. I yeah. would be annoyed. And she situation. reacts. And to be fair, she's no, 15, 16 at that point. She reacts to it as as mm. you may. And um, and then she's she has to apologise because she acts badly. I think she does hit him, though, which, yeah. Maybe. She's, yeah, she slaps him. <laughs> but still, um, you know... It, <laughs> but then he apologizes back to her i think and then it's all okay but um it's a bit a bit much to expect from a 15 year old yeah yeah it is also of course very moving at the end oh mm. uh, well partly when he goes to america and she goes to london and mm. they're split up for the first time and she just misses him massively and i think she says uh sometimes she could fancy herself but half alive and you know, oh okay you know that's yeah, I can feel for I, you there. Yeah. And then when she obviously when she thinks that he's died in the Battle of Waterloo, yeah, and she, immediately she just says, "I need to go there now. I need to find his body." Yeah, and your heart wrenches yeah. for her, doesn't yeah. it? That is particularly, uh, yeah. I, I I think I I think I cried at that point actually. Um, I didn't think I was going to get into this book that much, but I did. Um, yeah, you re- you really feel for her. Mm. I I think the, the when she's in England and she's in London. I really felt for her then. Mm. You don't, you don't hear much detail about yeah. it, really. Um, no, it feels quite yeah, empty, it is doesn't empty, it? But I think and she's, she's sixteen. 16. She's in London by herself. Um, it is a mm. bit that that would be really scary. It's, it's almost for her that is tougher than what she's been through, isn't it? That's tougher than being in in the war because she she's never had to yeah had to function like that before. Uh, but yeah, that bit of Waterloo. Um, heart-wrenching but again interesting reading that so soon after we read an infamous army and seeing that kind of again just a different perspective on that battle yeah yeah um when when they're reunited um it's a um, it's a lovely moment Mm. harry turned as juana slid down from the brass mare's back juana he exclaimed 
and hurried to meet her. She fell into his outstretched arms, the wild flurry in her heart almost suffocating her. She could not speak. She could only cling to him as though she would never let him go again. He held her tightly in his arms, his cheek against her hair. Oh, my soul, my treasure. She found enough voice to say, you are safe. Never apart from me. Never, Miike. Never. Oh, promise me. Never again, he said, no matter what comes to us. How could I bear to send you from me again? We'll stay together from now until you die a ripe old age, my little varmint, my little love. It is a promise, she said urgently. It is a promise, he answered. He took her face between her hands. They were shaking a little, at once, as once before in his tent outside the walls of Valahos. When I was first troubled with you, he said with a twisted smile, we had so many actions to live through. My poor darling, you suffered so much anxiety and you have been so good all through. Well, it's over now. Do you understand? We romp bone at last and there's nothing for you to be afraid of anymore. Now smile at me, faithful, loving, bad-tempered little devil that you are, or box my ears if you will. Only don't look at me with those scared eyes. Kiss me, Juana commanded. Esparashin mi taino odioso. I don't know. I love the fact that you've managed to make that sound like a uh, Harry Potter spell. <laughs> I did. <It's... laughs> Tirano odioso. <laughs> I also noticed that um, you didn't do the Spanish accent either because whenever I tried, I would be, I would sound offensive or French. It is offensive. Um, but yes, that is very nice. That's, it's a nice ending. It is a nice ending, isn't it? Um, they're reunited. And, you know, because you know... Actually, I'm not sure. If you haven't done any background reading, perhaps you don't know that they, they do live to be a ripe old age and never really pass again. Um, putting aside those two for a moment, can we talk about who I think should be the hero of this book? Daniel Cadeau. Yeah, he's great, isn't he? I don't know about you, but he... For me, he is a proper hair hero. He's dashing. He's just really sort of cool and calm. And he and Harry don't get on, do they? So Harry calls him a go on at first, at first. So yeah, Harry calls him a go on mm. rather than a come on, which is sort of his distinction in officers, isn't it? Either you're yelling you're meant to come with you. Yeah, yeah, you go on ahead exactly. or come on, I'm in front. Um, and... And he'll say he's got this, I guess Daniel Cadeau's got this kind of lurking smile in his eyes. That's how it's described. And uh, so when he makes comments about how he just cares about his waistcoats or whatever, he's clearly being humorous about it or, or at least sort of acknowledging his the, the silliness of that. But Harry can't see that. He just takes him at face value. Because I guess Harry's a face value kind of guy, isn't he? Yeah. And then Daniel Cadeau explains why he doesn't like Harry and I kind of agree with him on his points it's, it's kind of basically about like how he's just always there he's always got so much energy he's always so noisy and I was thinking yeah actually that's kind of how I feel about about Harry about Harry but um yeah but then their relationship shifts when Harry sees Cadeau's bravery in action so I've got that passage here first in the field they were and in that furious rush upon the village through ditches over walls in and out amongst the houses and the gardens. Whatever doubts Harry had nursed of Cadeau's quality were put to rest. Wherever the firing was hottest, there was Cadeau. Not a hair out of place, 
deaf to the whistle of shots all around him, encouraging his men in his calm way. Keep it steady, lads, he said, when the rifle fire grew momentarily ragged. Now, no untidiness. That's right, that's good shooting. We'll move on, sergeant. I really think we must dispossess those noisy gentlemen in our front. Harry, himself hoarse from cheering on the men, left him driving a party of Voltigers out of the garden, where they had ensconced themselves, and made his way to Ross's battery. He got a troop horse from Ross and plunged back into the fight for the village, catching a glimpse of Cadu once, but not getting within speaking distance until they met on the farther side of the river, dusty, dishevelled, and intent only on getting the men into order again after their impetuous sweep through the village. Cadu removed his shako and shook the dust off it. Harry rode his trooper up to him, his eyes very bright between their narrowed lids, and his lean cheeks still flushed with excitement. Cadu looked at him with a flickering smile. Well, Captain Smith, he drawled. Finished harrowing hell and raking up the devil. Harry laughed. Oh, by God, if we had to talk of harrowing hell. He stretched out his hand. Thank you for the loan of your horse's tail. Cadu looked at him for an instant, his brows lifting in surprise. Then, with a little laugh, he held out his hand and shook Harry's sinewy one. Don't mention it, he said, in his most finicking tone. I do hope you didn't pull any of her hairs out. Such a lovely creature, aren't you, Barossa? Mm. So there's like... I, I think that for me, because there isn't a moment where the, the couple get together, or is it's early on and there just isn't much tension at that point. It's where, for me, yeah. the big romantic moment is when Harry reaches out his hand to shake shake hands with Daniel Cadeau. Yeah, and then it is a bit of a bromance after that, isn't it? They're best buds after that. Um, and then it comes... Yeah. You know, the bridge. That's, that is heart-wrenching as well. I think that's the closest yeah. I came to crying. Um, and he, yeah, yeah. Shall we have a look at it? We need, we need to wrap this up then. We need to wrap up Daniel Cadeau, give him the honour that he deserves. Harry saw one of the sergeants attempting with a broken leg to get upon his feet and shouted to him, Captain Cadeau? Where's Captain Cadeau? Dead, dead. A groan burst from Harry. He had no time then to search for Cadeau's body. But when the bridge was once more in British hands and the corpses of the enemy were being pushed over the parapet into the river, he found it, lying where the fight had been most fierce. A bullet had pierced the brain. Cadeau must have died instantly, perhaps have felt nothing. His face was calm, with the shadow of his lazy smile on his lips. The little remnant of his company, bearing his body to the grave dug to receive it, wept as they shovelled the wet, cold earth onto him, for his men had loved him dearly. If he hadn't have fallen, we'd have held the bridge, so help us we would, a wounded private said, dragging his cuff across his eyes. But Harry's grief was more acute, because he knew that Cadeau had trusted to being supported. And although it was not his fault that support had come too late, it seemed as though the faint mocking smile on the dead lips reproached him for betraying mm. his trust. Well, you feel so bad for Harry then, don't you? Because it I think it was Harry's commanding officer just made the wrong decision and Harry desperately tried to argue yeah, with general him. General skirts, isn't it? Saying, no, we need to be there to back mm. Cadeau up. Yeah. Mm. And um Yeah, that's unfortunately what happens when you have bad leaders making bad decisions i mean the the, the tragedy of it everyone knew it was a bad decision cadeau went into it yeah knowing it was almost certain death because um if he wasn't backed up then they knew it was going to be attacked um so he's a he's a a a real hero isn't he yeah yeah that was big moment in the book Okay, so Rach, would you recommend this book to a casual hair fan? Not, a, I, it definitely wouldn't be um, a first read. I, I think if 
you have yeah. to do it if you if you're going to read them all <laughs> um yeah if yeah. you're a completist yeah. well yeah suck um, it up you're gonna do it i mean i i guess there are people who really enjoy so if people really enjoyed an infamous army then i might recommend it yes and they exist yeah. um yeah yeah I, I, I mean i think in this one it the love story is harder is is not as um it doesn't make up for it. <laughs> it doesn't make up for all the military um, scenes, does it? So I think that's the problem with this one. Whereas Infamous Army, I could, yeah. Well, yeah, because it's, I, mm, because the romance is problematic in itself, isn't it? Because she's fourteen. Um, and I and I think as well, um, I think because it's a true story and because there's so much detail in it, there's a lot where you think, I don't understand what what this is adding to the story. Like um, when the uh, Don Pedro comes along for a little bit, and when it, it, it's these little bits that are that are mm. true, I'm sure, but they're almost put in because they are true mm. rather than they're adding anything to the overall narrative. Do, do you know what I mean? It's like there was, there's a yeah. You think it feels a bit like I've done this research and yeah. I'm going to use it, whether it yeah. adds something or not. I've sat in a library for a few hours. This is going to happen. And I guess if what you want to do is to tell everything about their life, then fair enough. But I, yeah, I, I think there's a lot that maybe didn't need to be in there that doesn't really add anything. But I don't know. Um, people people love the detail, don't mm. they? So yeah, I'm sure the people who really get into yeah the historic battle side of things are like, no, no, we want all that detail. It's just fair mm. enough. Um, so we don't really. I think the rest of the books on our list a yeah. lot lighter than this so what should we read next shall we read the corinthian yes because we've pre-agreed to do that <laughs> don't ruin it <laughs> <laughs> so yes the corinthian that'd be good um cool all right we'll do that um in the meantime thank you for listening take care stay hydrated as ever drop us a review if you get a moment we always love them uh you're amazing people. We don't say that often enough. You're fantastic. Bye. Bye for now.